Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversations about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery, to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a new and happier and healthier you. Now, here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed part one of Meet Kathy. Um, We just thought it was important that you get to know her a little bit. Like I say, you all have known me for a while. You've known my story. I've written a book about it and everything else. So I just felt that it would be great for you all to meet my wife, who she is, where she came from, the struggles she's had in life and our marriage. Um, a lot of people look at me and Kathy. Uh, we've been married for 39 years. And uh, matter of fact, most of the people that are in our lives today never knew us prior to yeah. um, actually 2012. And it, it, some of the guys I ride with knew me, but they didn't know me. Right. Before. Yeah. So they didn't really know the struggles we came from. They just look at Kathy and I as this couple that, you know, are happily married. Uh, blissful however you want to say it <laughs> and they want what we got but they don't understand what we've gone through to get to where we're at yeah. so um that's why we feel it's important that you know you know my story but you should you should also hear about kathy yeah especially for the women out there because a lot of women go through what you've been through and are going through it right, right. now and they just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah right and, and and that's the sad part is that there is hope i mean I think that's what Kathy and I, we want to bring more than anything. Yeah, definitely bringing hope. But you said something, you know, they don't think there's any light at the end of the tunnel. For me, I didn't even know that there. I was in a tunnel, you know. (laughs) You think about it. Sometimes I I thought everything I was going through was normal, even though I didn't see it displayed with my parents. um, I think for me, I I had everything. All the balls were in the air, just going, going, going. and didn't even realize it was in a tunnel. It wasn't until I got into my healing journey of recovery that I was like, Oh, that was dark. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that now. And, uh, no, I didn't see any light during that period of time, but I think in the midst of it, you don't even know you're in a tunnel. You know, I'm going to say something right now. We'll get into your, the rest of your story. I'll let you take over here in a minute, but you know, I know, I know there's a lot of women out there, right? And there could be some men out there too, that they're, they're in a relationship with somebody that's got a lot of money. And they're extremely miserable. I mean, we, we, we've talked to a couple of them, right? And, and why are they staying in the relationship? Because mm-hmm. of finances, because of money. But they're, 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 they're sacrificing so much of their life, yeah. right? Well, just because they have a husband... It's yeah. It it doesn't matter. It could be money. It could be uh, there's fear. There's so many things that keep and, and fear. I think is the number one thing I, right. that keeps people in a marriage too long. And we're totally pro marriage, but again, both both parties have to be willing to work at right, it exactly to, to save exactly. it. So. I mean, it's, you know, the the fear. You know, when you talk about fear, there's physical fear. Mm-hmm. There's emotional fear. And there's financial fear. Yeah, and they're all fear. legit. They're all legitimate. That four letter fear, word right? starts with an F. Right. I mean, so they're they're all legitimate. They're all legitimate fears. Yeah, we understand definitely. that, but I, much, I had some of it myself. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what we're doing right now is we're married and we're both retired. There's she just retired. <laughs> she was making a lot of money for many years, and now it's like, 
hope this is going to work out, you yep. know, but we know that we can also, we, we have, have to. Well, you know. we rely on God. I, I yeah. honestly, I, I have to keep going back to that because God ordained everything that we, every step of our marriage, every step of our life, he's had his hand in, even oh, yeah. though we weren't aware of it. Um, and so I, I really have to go back to trusting and believing that God has ordained every, every part of our life. And so keeping my focus on him will help me get through that fear. Yep. Because that's faith over fear, and that's what we've got to focus on. Exactly. So, so Mrs. Boyd, what I'm about just you? Gonna, I'm going to pick up here kind of where we left off. I talked a little bit about uh, who I was, um, a little bit about my life as a child, the type of home I lived in, um, how I felt like I was a, uh, had to be the rule follower. I could never break any of the rules or the laws. Um, I was a friend to everybody, and, um, and then we got into a little bit about how I met Randy. Um, the joys that we had early on and then how things started getting into a little bit of a dark place. A little bit. Well, it was kind of a big of a bit, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of where we left off was um, that dark place where, you know, I didn't think my life could get any worse when it did when Randy had an affair. Um, so at that time in my life, God spoke to me and said, you've been married to this man for over half your life. You need to start fighting for him uh, and you need to start fighting for your marriage. And I can, I could tell you exactly where I was when I heard that voice. We were at our son's college baseball game. Oh. I was there dressed to the nines because oh Randy was sitting God. in the crowd with his guy friends. And I was drooling. And uh, I was over there and... With her hands on her waist. Oh, come on. You don't have to go through the whole oh, thing. Wow. But anyways, I was there and, you know there to support my son knowing he was there but also in that moment we had a long talk that night in I think we were probably like two hours or something in the parking lot um, after the game and that's when I heard that voice of God saying you've been married to this man for over half your life you need to start fighting for you you need to start fighting for your marriage and we weren't even going to church at that time but with that foundation of God in my life, I knew that there was something to that. And so I'm going to pick up now in my testimony where um, I kind of started that journey. So um, I started the process of self-discovery by going to our therapist. At first, I went with my husband to work on us as a couple, but I soon realized that I needed to go for myself. With all of these years of not speaking my feelings and my truth, I had lost my voice. It was during these sessions over the course of the next couple of years, yes, we went to therapy for a couple of years, that I was slowly, I was able to slowly build up my courage and self-esteem. Um, as a result of this and seeing my part in the marriage, I was not only able to forgive myself, but I was also able to forgive my husband. And I want to go back on when we first started going to therapy, I honestly wasn't going for myself. I was going to fix you because, <laughs> you know, that's what good codependents do. Well, and, and remember, you went to a different therapist. Than Deborah, at first you were going to another therapist. Mm, I kind of I was seeing, remember that. I was seeing Deborah. Yeah. And then, so it was just one of those things where you know, again, I was going to help fix Randy because he had all the issues. So in 2006, um, I attended the Betty Ford Family Program, and this was the year that Randy, at the same time that Randy had gone into the outpatient treatment, it was at eight week. Eight-week eight week eight outpatient, week outpatient program. program. And so Betty Ford offered a family program. Um, so, And mind you, this is what's important for a lot of people. That if you don't want to get sober, you're not going to get sober. If your husband doesn't want to get sober, he's not going to get sober. I checked myself in. Yeah. Kathy didn't tell me I had to go. I didn't have a nudge from a judge. Nobody was telling me I had a problem, right? 
I decided I, I, I can't, I got to quit. Even my therapist, well, my therapist gave me a really gentle suggestion. Push, push, push. Yeah. She's telling me to go to AA. I go, nah, I ain't one of them yeah. people. But she gave me gentle nudges to go to Betty Ford. And I made the decision myself to do that. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, before I continue on on here, too, just knowing that there are family programs out there, regardless if the person in your life who has a problem, I highly encourage you, right. your family members, to find a family program that will get you to understand the disease, get you to understand what your part is and how you can um, safely take care of yourself yes. in a healthy way. So yeah, you, you don't, you're, 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 you're addicted or alcoholic or whatever you want to call it. Partner doesn't, or son or daughter doesn't have to be going to treatment for you to go to a family. Yeah, program. Most of your family programs you can find, you right. can find them. So I highly encourage Very that. Very helpful. So um, when I attended the Betty Ford family program, I thought I would learn how to manage my alcoholic husband. See, that's why I encourage you to go because I thought I was just going to learn how to take care of him and how to manage his disease. Um, and But it was in that program that I learned what an alcoholic was. I learned that my husband being an alcoholic wasn't my fault. Um, I didn't cause it and I can't cure it. And after finishing that week-long program, I realized that my life as I knew it would change forever if I chose to make those changes. So... Um, Learning all about about the disease and, and what my part was and what I could and couldn't do was so key to my own recovery. Had nothing to do with him at that point. It was all about me and what I needed to do. So I did attend the code. They had a codependency aftercare program that I attended for a few months. And then one day, I didn't want to go no more. I couldn't relate to what these women were saying. Um, and looking back now, I know that I was in denial, that I really didn't want to look at myself or my part in the relationship. And I think that was, I had the seeds planted through the week-long family program. And I had the seeds planted and going several weeks into this codependency aftercare program. Um, so I knew what I what was going to be needed of me. I just wasn't there yet. And that happens a lot, but that's okay. Um, One of the things I had to learn how to do was quit pushing her. Yeah. So it's going to work both ways. For the, for the spouse or parent of an alcoholic or drug addict or sex addict or whatever, don't push them. Mm -hmm. Suggest it to them with loveness, with love and kindness. Like I said, if they don't want help, you, all you're going to do is push them farther away from you. And also with the alcoholic that might be in recovery, as I was, I had good mentors that saved my butt. It actually is that... The harder I pushed Kathy to go to codependent meetings, the farther away I was pushing her. She would get extremely angry at me. And her anger wasn't at me so much as it was at herself, right? And we know that today because she was angry because she knew what she should have done. But it wasn't doing me any good to push her. So I had to back off. And it was hard, and, but I had to do it, but I did it. Yeah, and as codependents, we're, we have that, well, I had, I'll speak for myself, I had that me-do-myself mentality. You know, so if I have somebody pushing me, you need to go to Elanon or you need to do this or you need. I was like that 12 year old little girl putting my feet into the ground and saying, no, me do myself. And so it, <laughs> you know, it codependency is a tough one because we're so good at taking care of anybody and everybody else but ourselves. And so that me do myself mentality really I had to get out, get that out of my head. 
So um, it wasn't until 2008 that I finally had the courage to step out of my denial and find out find, and out of my comfort zone and start working on me. You know, I, I could see that Randy was growing and I thought, oh, crud, you know, he's two years into his journey and I better do something for myself or I don't know how or what our marriage might look like. And I, I remember that that day. Right, mm -hmm. you were you were in the bathroom. You were getting dressed, and you were you were, you were crying. I don't know what was going on, but you go, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I need help, right? And I I remember I asked her, "Are you asking me to tell you what you what I think you should do?" Because I was told not to say anything, right? And I was just following my mentor's instruction. And she goes, "Yeah." I says, "Then Monday morning you get up. When I get up." You go over to the Fellowship Hall, the, the Lutheran Church there, and you walk your butt into the Codependent Anonymous meeting. You know all the women that are in there already because you've seen them at the meetings you used to go to with me, right? That was the only thing. And that, yep. that day she decided to make, that's when she made the choice. Yeah. So that is when I started attending the Women's Codependency meeting. It was on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. Hello. <laughs> After weekends and then have to get up and go to a meeting at 6 a.m., um, honestly, that was very, very difficult, but it was one of the best things for me at that time because it got me committed mm -hmm. into my journey. And it wasn't long after that that I agreed to secretary the meeting. So not only do I have to be at a meeting at 6 a.m., now I've agreed to secretary the meeting, which means I have to be there at 545. I'm responsible for a key. I've got to open the door, turn the lights on, set up the tables, get coffee, whatever that looked like. But I just got to throw this caveat. She would walk up because the Lutheran Church and Fellowship Hall was right across. And so we'd be out on the patio for our AA meeting at 6, right? And she would walk up to that patio. And every guy talking to me <laughs> all of a sudden disappeared. They were all going over to Kathy to say good morning to her and talk to her. They want nothing to do with me anymore. And it was all good. It was nothing wrong with it. But it was just like, dang, what happened? You walk on this patio and... That was funny. It was, that was funny. It was funny. It was good. So I knew, though, that, you know, once I made that commitment, that the only way for me to continue was to be of service. And that's one of the things I am so blessed and, and I get so excited for is the service work. I feel service work, as long as my motive is pure and I'm not doing it out of a codependent behavior, because that's easy to do as codependents, um, I love being of service, and I'm of service today to many women, and if, if we're at an event or somewhere, I'm always wanting to help somewhere along the way, but I knew that the only way for me to continue was to be of service, which would make me accountable to the women that were attending that meeting, as well as my own recovery, so it's a win-win situation when I'm accountable to myself and to other women by being of service. Um, it was during the first few months of attending the meeting that I felt God tugging on my heart once again. Ladies, gentlemen, you know that tug, that knock, knock, hello, I'm here. Um, and I knew that in order for me to grow and to get truly on this journey, not just being of service and opening the door and letting the women in, that I had to get a sponsor. Now, as a codependent, me do myself mentality, it's very hard to ask for help. So with tears in my eyes and my voice quivering, I asked my first sponsor to be my sponsor. No, let's explain a sponsor. It's not something that pays for stuff. It's more, I like to, I'm using the word more now. It's more of a mentor to help a you. Coach. It's like a coach. Yeah. A coach or a mentor that's going to walk you through the, the steps of codependency. Yeah, so this was the first time in my life that I ever reached out for help. I mean, I can tap dance around and ask questions to try to get help, but to be direct and say, 
I can't do this myself. I need even what you know what Randy just explained is he had to ask me, "Are you asking for my help?" <laughs> but um, it was the first time in my life that I'd ever asked for help, and I had become so accustomed to doing everything all by myself. And I got good at it, I think, for a while. <laughs> but nothing I had done in the past had worked, um, and I had a chance to trust God that with Him I can do this thing called recovery. So that was my journey of you know starting out getting help. Um, I continued to attend the meetings. I worked the 12 steps with my sponsor or my coach. I held women's step, step meetings at my house, which was always, that always felt so good to knowing that I was bringing that life into my own home. Um, and I was sponsoring and mentoring other women as well, which I still do today and love that journey. Um, however, my heart felt empty as if there was still something missing. Um, my relationship with my husbands, my friend, my family had greatly improved, but I was still had like this little hole in my soul, something that was just not kind of feeling empty. Although I felt a lot better, it was still something missing. Um, it wasn't until 2011 that I attended a Christmas service at Destiny Church, which is our previous church that we attended for over 10 years uh, prior to our move here in Arizona. And I had a friend that was I that I was working with, Marlene, that invited me. Um, I was a little intimidated, to be honest. I was scared. This is the first time I've ever walked into a Christian church, remind, reminding you that I only grew up in a Catholic church. I think I went to my grandma's Baptist church one time, which that was a whole other experience um, that I, you know, I was very young at that time. Um, but I didn't know, didn't know anybody, and I didn't know what to expect. So um, the one thing, though, I'll, I'll never forget how it made me feel being in there. I felt part of. I felt um, accepted. It, it was just a nice place to feel. Um, and I never felt judged either, so that was important. Um, and I realized right at that time, this is something that I was missing. Um, one little funny story is, you know, if you've ever been in a Christian church, they have the first part of church is typically worship. And so uh, everybody stands, and they're singing, and they're raising their hands, and they're clapping. And I remember asking Marlene sometime after that, why do people do that? Catholic Church, you didn't do that. You had hymns, you had stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel, um, but never had that. And she says, oh, I'll tell you later. Well, later never came from Marlene, but later came from God because I felt it. I knew what worship was. And worship to me is one of my healing, total healing places that I love to be in. So because of that most welcoming experience, um, I went home that night and I shared it with my husband. <laughs> I said, hey, pastor's message hit me in the heart. I think you might like this. It was kind of like being at a Christian AA meeting, if there was ever such a thing. And I think there are Christian AA meetings or there's Christian recovery meetings for sure. But at that time, I had no idea. Um, pastor shared with us uh, on, up there on the altar on how what his life was like before. Um, one thing I did notice, there was a lot of tattoos in church. <laughs> I've never seen so many tattoos before in my life in a church. And I thought to myself, um, wow, this is something that I needed. And to be honest, I thought it was something that we needed together. Um, but then the challenge was going to be, how do I get Randy to go to church? Because he had such a horrible experience in church. Um, but at that time, before I go on here, I'll just, we'll kind of talk about, I just said that I thought it was something that we would enjoy, and it took some time, but that summer, um, Pastor was doing a 
God, what was the sermon called? It, was, it wasn't the summer. It was in the spring. It was in the, in the, in the, in the, spring. In the spring. He was doing a uh, Lions in the, Lion, Lion in the, in the Land, Land series. series. So it was a marriage about relationships and marriage. And so we started out, um, this was before everything was live. Oh, no, it was live at this time. It was before they were recorded and YouTubed and all of this stuff. But we took our little iPad at the dinner table, set it up, and we would watch the service online. And so we watched the service for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks. The whole series. The whole series. And finally, it was on a Wednesday night. I had come home from work. In August. This was, it was in August of 2012. Right. That this happened. And so we came home from work one night, and then he's like, let's go to church. I don't know what I look like. I don't even remember what my response was. I think I was in shock because I thought we will never go to church in our marriage other than a wedding and a funeral. And um, I thought, okay, well, let's do this. Let's go. So we got ready, and we went to church, and um, we started attending Destiny from that point, and we never looked back. Um, Randy, how, you want to share a little bit about your experience that first first time briefly? I know we're going to – I don't want to run over time. No, but... I, well, other than the fact that I was prepared to walk right back out the door. Yeah. She, she told me, well, you can go in your short pants and, and, your, and, your, and your thong and your – not my thong underwear, my – my thong shoes, okay. <laughs> Flip flops. Flip flops. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh dear! I hope everybody's laughing like oh, we are. Oh, they are. <laughs> um, oh jeez. I said, okay, cool, but you know, I went there with with, with my guard up and one. I was going to walk right back <laughs> out the door, and one person, yeah. one person said some derogatory statement to me, but they didn't. They were all pretty welcoming for the most part, except. They were all welcoming, and then I saw Hector going up and down the aisle, praying guy. I'm going on, on. and then the it's one of those I, churches. Yeah, I, I, and then then the worship was like, what, like Kathy? What, what do you mean worship? What what is this, right? So it was. Um, it, I stayed, and and what I'll what I'll say is, you know, remember, 38 years in no church because of the abuse that happened to me happened behind. Christian parents and a pastor that condoned it, and there's all sorts of weird stuff. So for me, even to walk through the church doors was was a miracle. Mm-hmm. There's times that I absolutely wanted to run from it, but I literally at times there's there's times where I could feel God's hand on my back saying, "You're not going nowhere." There's many times I wanted to leave that church, but God put us in that church for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a very specific. Well. I think there's a couple of reasons, but for 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 me, I have a, a, a gift of discernment. That it's a gift that I don't want. I don't wish upon anybody. I, I really don't because that gift um, can be extremely disturbing. I guess would be the right word to say. It can be difficult. Yeah, it can be difficult. Not 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 not. It can be very difficult. So I stay. And, and even there was times I, I I'm done. I can't keep doing that with these people. God just wouldn't let me leave. It's like, not, where am I? I? I can't leave. God did a work in both of us in right. that time, and that's right. kind of where I wanted to carry on here because if if you remember when in the other episode I mentioned that you know I grew up in a Catholic church, and there was always Bibles in the pews, but I had no idea that the Bible was stories, and so that is the beauty of for me is that I learned that the Bible is stories, and the Bible is life. It brings brings life and right, i think that right. because of our uh, god had his hand on us keeping us there it has taken us into a level of um, a uh, spiritual understanding understanding um 
And today we both have our our times where we just take our time to read our Bible. I, I would have never done that. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things that we got from this as well. Yeah, and and I think in that, like with, with Kathy and Catholic, Catholic, you know, they don't want you reading the Bible. It was uh, in the pews. I don't know why. Maybe just to look up the scripture yeah, at that but time. <laughs> my understanding is they don't really want you reading the Bible. They they're going to read the Bible for you. The way I grew up is that the Bible was nothing but condemnation, fire, and hellstone coming down from hell. I mean, from heaven, right? It's like God was just convicting everybody. But what I was able to do is God gave me the gift to be able to read the Bible. Yeah. Because one of the things I asked God is God show me stuff about abuse in the Bible. Yeah. And so I've dug deep into that. And that's why I say there's nowhere in the Bible that yeah. a, a child needs to be spanked or hit, period. Right. And we're, you know, the result of, of us being in that church and going through all the things that we went through um, and the experiences we got of it has made us who we are today. Yes. Um, absolutely. There. Yes. I, I got saved there. <laughs> I've never been saved before. That's still very emotional. Um, I got baptized. I saved you. What do you mean? You saved me I from, saved you when I don't I know what. You to marry me. <laughs> oh, there you go. You saved me from what? I don't know. But anyways, we... From life all alone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, no, I got saved there. I was baptized there. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just you know, you, you'll never forget your first experience right, right, right. in church. So um, as a result of giving my life over to the care of God and surrendering um, my will to him each day, I do have a new freedom. Um, I'm learning that my past mistakes were just that. They were past mistakes, and God forgives them. I learned that I cannot fix anyone but myself. That was a project in itself. Um, But I have learned that I no longer can fix anyone but myself. Um, I've learned that when I struggle, God's right there with me. He's guiding me through that struggle, strengthening me and stretching me sometimes, and that stretch is sometimes painful but also so necessary. Um, I've learned that as long as I do the best that I can, that's all I can do. I don't have to do things perfectly because God is the only perfect one. And for me, I have to remember that I'm not perfect, but he is. So trust him. Um, as a result of getting involved and serving at destiny, which we did very, very quickly, um, with small groups, I've learned it's allowed me to love myself more. Um, with Christ being at the center of everything I did, at the center of our marriage, I mean, it has just made a huge difference on who we are. Um, I felt that my experience in the recovery was also going to help others, which is the whole purpose of recovery, is to be able to um, give back what we've so graciously been given um, by God and from others. What's going on? You're recording that. (laughs) Um, Once again, God had his plan in all of this. I felt that my experience in recovery would also help others, as I mentioned. So in two short years after attending Destiny, we had the opportunity of uh, opening and starting the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which was another opportunity for my continued recovery. And as a a result of that opportunity, it brought more people into um, our relationships and gave us an opportunity to continuously share our experiences and also help others through uh, through their walk and through their journey. Um, most of all, it allows God to work in and through me and gives me a much deeper appreciation for others. I think that's what we're recovering. I feel most connected to, um, today our marriage is flourishing. Um, we still have our struggles, but we do grow deeper and deeper each day, Mm -hmm. um, in love with each other, but it hasn't always been that way. It has taken a lot of work and I'm not afraid 
to take those steps of work. I'm not afraid to be open. I'm not afraid to be honest, be vulnerable. Um, I have found that through my journey that the best thing I can do is to be vulnerable and to be honest. And when I'm uncomfortable or if I think, oh, I don't want to say this because he's going to react a certain way, I have to do it anyways. It's like do it afraid, you know. Do it afraid, yeah. And so we do that. Um, but we do have struggles. Um, I'm grateful for our family in recovery because those people out there, a lot of you are listening. You are the ones that keep my recovery journey going, keep our recovery journey going. Um, without you, um, it would be difficult. But I, I love the, the family in recovery that we have uh, acquired. It, speaking of family, too, I, w- I want people to know, too, that if you keep your focus on, on God and on love and on your recovery, our, our nuclear family, our kids and our grandkids, we, we are so close. And, you know, my, my kids went through stuff with mm-hmm. me, right? But they they just know I went through a bad time, and they love me to death. My daughter, who absolutely hated me, she loves me today. So it will bring your family closer together. But right. it's, it's about you, not about your family. No, but what I do want to say on that, that's, we've, we've said this many, many times, is that it's important to know that your kids are always watching. Yes, and so watching. because my kids are watching, because my grandkids are now watching, I that's why I strive to be the best example of a Christian woman. Um, they're in recovery. Um, there's naysayers out there. There's people that have um, kind of a nasty taste in their mouth about Christians. We have to walk out. We have to walk our talk. We can't just talk. We have to walk it out, and that's what's important: is to walk it out. In a healthy way. Because a, a lot of Christians are religions. Yeah. Right? They're, they're all in a religion. And it, one thing that we learned in recovery that is very true, right, is that religion is man-made. Yeah. All right? And spirituality is God-given. Yeah. Right? Christian is just a name given to us. Right. I mean, it's, it's from the Bible. I'm not going to argue that point. But it's like I was talking to a gentleman yesterday that was going to go to, into a family situation. I just says, look at Show them the love of Christ, or yeah. you just show them the love of Christ. That's that's all you have to do. Be it's like, Christ-like in all your affairs. Yeah. yeah, don't be sitting there thumping them with scriptures, and I'm going to do this, and you need to pray that, and you need to do that. When just just remember this. This is from First Corinthians one eighteen. This it is it's a, as clear as a bell. Paul says this to talk the cross of those that are perishing is foolishness, but to us, I believe, it's power. Mm-hmm. So to talk to a person, they're perishing. They don't even they're know. Not, they're, they they, they're not they, going to hear they, anything. They're not going to hear nothing. They just got to love them. <clears throat> they're walking in the church pissed off at God. Right. Who knows what's going on in their life where God doesn't exist in their, in their yeah. eyes. So it's like Kathy and I, everybody that we work with, we show them the love of Christ. Yeah. And just just by being accepting and non-judgmental. And I think the whole idea of this whole testimony and this recovery is that I want to transmit what I learn from others. And so we want those that we work with to transmit what they learn from us. Exactly. So to be that example is so, so important. And as I close, I want to just, for those out there that might be um, new in recovery, maybe they... They don't think they need to be in recovery, but it's in the back of their mind that they might want to. I just want to say, don't give up before the miracle happens. God created man to trial through hurts, hang-ups, and habits, only to find victory through God's amazing grace. God is so graceful, 
and he's going to give you that grace no matter when you need it. Um, we do this by taking action in our own recovery, one day at a time and even one moment at a time. But we do it with the Lord by our side. So he's never going to leave you nor forsake you, even in the deepest, darkest areas. And being a people pleaser all my life only left me lost, angry, and resentful. I'm sure there's others that might relate to that. But today, I truly work by living under Galatians 1.10. And it reads, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If people pleasing were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I don't want to be a people pleaser anymore. I want to be a Christ servant. So for me, that is so important for me to just remember that I'm doing the work of Christ. I'm doing God's work. He's working in and through me. So I need to do that in and through myself to others. And that's what I want to kind of close with today. Yeah. And a couple of things I want to say. I want you all to understand that recovery, right? Recovery is sobriety is alcohol and drugs. Recovery is don't even think about alcohol and drugs with the recovery. Yeah, it's, recovery is part of that journey. But recovery is we're recovering everything that we've lost in life. We're recovering the person that God created us yeah. to be. Okay? And Catherine put it in here, don't, uh, don't give up before the miracle happens. I want you to think about something. There was a lady at, at my AA meetings that used to say at the end of every meeting, mm -hmm. keep coming back until the miracle happens. So I want you to really think about that. How many miracles are you missing on a daily basis because you're looking for a burning bush miracle? How about the fact that you just woke up? How about the fact that maybe you're struggling not to drink, but you made it through a day not to drink? That's a miracle. How about the fact that your child is sleeping in bed at home and he's safe or she's safe? That's a miracle. There's so many miracles that happen on a daily basis in our lives that we don't even we don't appreciate the yeah. sun coming up, the sun going I down. I think it's not that we don't even appreciate it. We don't even realize we don't even they're realize there. Them. So it's right, being right. open open to looking for a miracle every day because there is a miracle every single day of your life. Absolutely. And that's what's important to remember. Fresh water was a miracle. Mm -hmm. How many kids? Yeah. Okay. How many kids? So that's beautiful. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy getting to know Kathy a little bit more. Um, like I said, we can't do this without the interjection of both of us. You know, she well, we can, but, we can but she invited me into it. Yeah, you know. I thought I would invite him in. Yeah, isn't that special? Yeah, you're I'm special. I'm the host, right. but oh, that's what you said. You're the host now. I forgot. So, a couple things real quick. Um, number one, our book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, is available on Amazon, paperback, Kindle, and um, Audible, as well as this now is up. Healing the Wounded Child within in Spanish. Let me read it in Spanish for you. <laughs> Sanar las heredias del niño interior. Okay. Gracias. Gracias. Say de nada. Say de nada. You said Italian for a minute. Oh, yeah. So that's available on Amazon also. And, and Kindle. On, Amazon in paperback and in Kindle. Kindle, yeah. Okay. And if you um, subscribe to Kindle, you get that you can get that for free the the uh, the Kindle version of it. Okay, you can also get our other our, our devotionals, uh, thirty day um, devotional to wholeness. It's a great devotional, it really is. Um, very helpful. Very very helpful. A lot of people really love it. So yeah. that's available also, guys. If you're looking for some help in your marriage, if you're looking for help with recovery. Uh, if addiction. you're going to get married and you're looking for premarital pre counseling, counseling <laughs> please check out changeyourlifestorynow.com. 
forward slash symbis dash packages html it's right there on the top of the screen we can help you it, it, it's symbis is a phenomenal pre-marriage and even it's a great tool it's a great tool for marriage period but yeah. we also do you know um recovery coaching addiction trauma coaching all of that um right. I, I am a trauma-informed certified trauma-informed coach as well Yes. And then the last thing I just wanted to share, this is always the, the hard part, is we have our foundation, the Courageous Healers Foundation, where we um, together help men, women, and their families heal from the scars of abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, spiritual. Um, and we can't do that alone. This is a, uh, a very deep place for a lot of people to go. It's a very difficult place for people to go. But we need your help. We are in a fundraising campaign right now. Um, the, the fundraising that we're doing is to help offset the cost of marketing. It's to help offset the cost of coaching. It's, uh, we want to offer our services for free to no charge for these people that need this help. And so your donations will go towards the help of helping another. And um, if you are able to donate, we have the option that you can donate on a monthly basis, whether it's $5, $10, $50, $100. I'm not going to be afraid to ask for money. I know $10,000. It says, it says in the Bible, ask, you know, God, God knows our needs and he will provide. So we're going to, we're going to believe for that. Um, if financial, if you're unable to financially donate, we ask that you keep us in prayer that um, God will direct us to the right place, to the right, you know, the right persons that will help us along this journey. Um, you can make that donation on our website at CourageousHealers.org. Um, there is a donation button, and you can set yourself up for a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Any little bit helps. We so appreciate those that have been donating. We have been receiving some recent donations, and we love you guys. We appreciate you. We know that your heart is in it just as our hearts are in it, and we thank you in advance for that. So, um, again, we'd love to have you be on our team, be on this journey with us that we can help bring the healing that so many people so deserve um, and that they need. They need for their relationships for themselves. They need for the relationships for the, their family. Um, so please join us on that campaign. We would appreciate it. You did say we're a 501c3. We are a 501c3, so all of your donations are tax deductible. Yes, thank you okay. for that. Perfect, perfect. Awesome. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed these last two episodes, getting to know Kathy a little bit better. Now you know um, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now you know her. Well, kind of. So yeah, she gets you know. it. You know, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. Um, yeah. I don't think we'll ever really know each other. No, because... Life changes, things Life changes, change, people man. change. It's, right. it's, it's it's constant. It's a so. funny thing. It's a, it's funny, a thing. funny thing. But it's good. It's all good. good. So, so we'll catch you on the next episode. Uh, remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. Kathy does. More Hello. importantly, God yes, does. definitely. Be blessed, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Now we need to come up with some more topics. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs> <laughs>